Last week, I had a unique experience that I uh, hadn't had in um, a long time. I actually went back to Texas to preach a funeral for a dear sister, Mary Smith. We had worshipped together, and we had worked together in the same... Um, uh, we sold clothes together, worked in a department store for many years, and she was a faithful, faithful sister in the church. She was truly a referred to as a mother in Israel, a great blessing, a great example. And when she passed away, her family asked me if I would come back and preach her funeral. It was in Graham, Texas. I hadn't seen her for a year. The last time I was there was when I went to Elder Sonny Pyle's funeral. I did see uh, Sister Lynn Piles, Bruce, Elder Pyle's daughter, who has had treatments for cancer for over 10 years. Uh, she was able to be there. It was good to see her. It was good to see other friends, family members of Sister Mary that I had grown up with as a teenager in the church. And some of them, uh, in fact, several of them that I hadn't seen in over 30 years. And it's kind of strange when you, when you turn the clock up 30 years. I, I felt like everybody had changed but me. But uh, I realized they probably thought that I had as well, and no doubt I have. But one of the, one of the questions that was presented uh, by a family member uh, said, well, when are you coming back to Texas? And on the way back, I thought about it. And I thought, what's kept me in Maryland for almost 30 years. And I had to ponder that. The majority of my family is in Texas. Many of them have passed away. Uh, Texas is desirable in many uh, aspects. Uh, there's, um, uh, it's not quite as regulated as it is here. Uh, some folks in church still even pack a pistol with them. And so I don't know that that's a plus, but uh, there's some, it's a, it's a lot different. It's a whole lot different. Um, and then I just got to thinking, why is it that I have continued to stay in Maryland this long? Recently, I've moved my parents up here, my mother and stepfather, and that's a real blessing. They live uh, uh, pretty close by, and they're in their 80s, and I'm thankful that, that they are here. But I thought about it, and I thought about it on the plane back. And this story came to mind. And I'll ask you, why do you do what you're doing? Why are you here worshiping today? And what is the reason that you're here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's a, a real good lesson. David is the primary character here. A young man, very zealous, has a, a great vision, has a great boldness for the Lord, but he's also very humble. Do you know that's, a, that's some really good things that we can learn from 
this lesson here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David is bold, but he's humble. And his humility is highlighted throughout this story right here. But David answers his brother, uh, and we'll lead up to this here in just a minute. And David answers his brother in verse 29. His brother is saying, David, why are you here? said, is it the pride of your heart, uh, the pride or the naughtiness of your heart, that thou camest down to even see the battle? And we'll look at sort of the background of the story. But David answered his brother and he said this. He said, he said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? So it starts out that the Philistines, many of you have heard this story, no doubt, and it's, a, it's an excellent story about the faithfulness, the boldness of David, the humility of David. It says the Philistines gathered themselves together, their armies, into battle, and they were there to war against the Israelites. And it says that Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they set battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. So if you can sort of get a picture of, of the two, you've got the Philistines on one side. You have Saul and the men of Israel, who were mighty men of Israel, the leaders and the captains of the, the armies there. And they were on one side, on one mountain, and the uh, other folks were on the other side, and there was a valley in between them. And it says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, Israel on the, uh, stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Verse 3. And then it says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And that's, uh, that's somewhere between 10 and 11 feet. So he was, he was really, really tall. Uh, I remember when uh, a young brother from uh, Roanoke came to visit us the other day. Uh, it's been several months ago before COVID. Uh, brother Danny Hodges. I hadn't seen Brother Danny since he was about this tall. And he came back to worship and all of a sudden he's... He's about this tall. I mean, he was a lot taller, probably 6'5", six, 6'6", six, 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 something like that. And, and, and all of a sudden, I looked up at Brother Danny, who I remembered as this little boy. And I said, well, either you're growing or I'm shrinking. And he said, probably both. <laughs> well, Goliath was above 11 feet tall. So if you can imagine just his stature was very, very intimidating just to see the stature of him. And he says that not only was his height and his build uh, very intimidating, but it says that he also had uh, full armor. So if you can uh, imagine this, and it says that the armor that he wore that all of it together weighed probably around 200, 250 pounds for all of the armor that he wore to protect him. And so if you can imagine this giant with all of this armor, I mean, it would be, it would be very intimidating. And 
probably had a, a real uh, loud and boisterous and deep voice. It says that he had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, between his shoulders, it cover his neck. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. So not only did he have all of this really heavy armor that he was armed with, that covered his head, that covered his neck, that covered uh, his chest, that covered his, his loins, his legs. In addition to all of that, he had, he had someone that stood between them that went before him with a shield, bearing a shield went before him. So he had uh, somebody that went even before him. So you would think with all of the protection that he had, that he was very well protected. He had pretty well been covered in every aspect. And it says that uh, he was of the Philistines, and it says, He stood and cried unto the armies and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. So basically, uh, this giant, Goliath, was, uh, was going out into the valley and he was crying out to the Israelites for the purpose of creating fear and anxiety, uh, uh, just, just frightening them by his presence and by what he was saying. And so he was saying, you go out and you find a man among your army and you send him out to fight with me. And then whoever wins, uh, we're going to, if, if, if your man wins, then we'll serve you and we'll serve the Israelites. Or if your man loses and I win, then all of a sudden you serve the Philistines. And so basically uh, he was threatening the Israelites there. He says, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And you can understand why they would be. It's not uh, unreasonable for them to be afraid of this giant. I mean, if we saw someone walk in here like that, uh, it probably the first response is that we would have fear as well. And so you, you see this giant who's armed with all of this armor to protect him and going out and, 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 and calling out to the Israelites. It says that when Saul and all the Israelites, when they heard these words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now we can hold on to that thought for just a minute because that thought truly describes a lot of people. A lot of what we've experienced even over this last year Many folks end up being, number one, afraid and greatly dismayed. So let's go down and let's look at how 
it, uh, how this is addressed right here. This story redirects us and reminds us where our strength is. David knew that his deliverance and his strength in the past and right now was not in himself. David didn't claim to have the ability to be victorious over the giant in and of himself. But David over and over again claimed that his deliverance and his strength and his victory was in the Lord. In fact, he comes down and he tells us, he says, the battle is the Lord's. And so as we face all of the uncertainties of life, as we face things that we can't figure out, that we can't work through, that we can't solve, that we can't fix, we need to be reminded that ultimately the battle is the Lord's. And that ultimately the Lord is in charge and the Lord is in control. And that our strength and our deliverance and our hope is in the Lord and none else. And that's what this story continues to point us back to. I'll tell you, I'd get, I'd get really, really, really discouraged. I would suffer with depression. I would be in total despair. I would be totally overwhelmed all the time. If I didn't know that God's in charge and that God's in control and that God has all power over our enemies. But I'll tell you, and I, and I have to remind myself over and over, because sometimes Satan will send a few fiery darts my way that maybe I think I should fix or I should solve that I can't solve. And then I get real discouraged about that. But if I remember that the battle is ultimately the Lord's. And another thing that I really like about the story that we tell is we know the rest of the story. We know that ultimately in every case that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is victorious over all of this. So if you get discouraged about life, if you get, I've heard some folks say, well, I'm done. You ever thought that? I'm just done. If you ever get to that point, realize that Ultimately, it's the Lord in charge and you just lean on the Lord and that'll help you an awful lot. Here's what he said. Now, David, the son was the son of Jesse and he who Jesse had eight sons. And it says that the man went among them as an old man in the days of Saul. That's Jesse uh, as an old man referred to as an old man. I was real discouraged to find out that. Um. In the Greek, that 60 refers to you as an old man. So I guess he was 60 or above in, in that range. But um, he had eight sons. And he says the three eldest sons of Jesse went to follow Saul, went into battle and followed Saul. It mentions the three oldest sons. And he says David was the youngest. David was the youngest son. But the eldest sons... They followed Saul into battle. David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, you can go back into chapter 16 and you'll see how that God called David and God that Samuel anointed David and and how that he would go in and play uh, instruments to, to, to calm Saul down. 
when he was dealing with anxiety and this despair. It says David returned from Saul. He had been there, and you can see in chapter 16, he had been there to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. So if you can imagine every day in the morning and in the evening, this Philistine giant going out. I mean, folks may get a little bit calm and a little bit settled. And then all of a sudden, again, here comes the giant and he comes out threatening the Israelites and he calls unto him. You send a man that can fight me and we'll we'll settle it between the two of us. And the two, the Philistines and the Israelites were warring as well during these times. But the giant would continue to come out and he would continue to threaten the Israelites here. And he said, and Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of parched corn and these 10 loaves and run to the camp of thy brethren and carry these 10 cheeses unto the captain of their thousands to look on and to see how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Meaning if they had accumulated any debt, if they owed anything, if there was anything that had occurred that that they were indebted to, that that David was to satisfy that debt. David was his main purpose was to go and find out the welfare of those that were his brothers that were in battle. Now, Sometimes folks are aware of a situation and it doesn't really seem to affect them. Or they might say, well, that's not my problem. That's their problem. But here David saw what his brothers were experiencing. He saw what the Israelites were experiencing. And all of a sudden, God had put it in David's heart to be used of God to make a difference. I believe God put it in his heart. And I believe God puts it in the heart of people. That when they see a need, they desire to be used of God to make a difference. That's what serving really is. It's looking out among you for a need and praying that God will bless you to meet that need. To find somebody that's got a problem, that has a need, that has a difficulty. And then he puts it on your heart and maybe blesses you with the ability. And maybe blesses you with the zeal to help fulfill that need. So David's desire, I believe, was from the Lord. God put it on his heart. It says when David... um, That he went to to check on his brothers. It says the Philistine drew near morning and evening. He presented himself for 40 days. It says David went to check on his brother and says now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. Do you know, I don't think I'm just going to toss this in here. Maybe this is an opinion. Uh, You can disregard it if you want to, but I think this is here probably for a reason. It mentions David getting up early in the morning. There are several places in the Old Testament and in the New where folks are acknowledged for getting up early in the morning. Did you know that I personally believe that that I, I, I personally believe that when the sun comes up, 
that's a real good time that we ought to be up even probably before. I, I want to get up before the sun comes up because I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. I want to be up and I want to see the sun come up. And I want to be already. Sister Perry gave me a real good lesson. Just share this with you. Young folks, you might want to take heed to this. It helped me a lot. Sister Perry said, when I get up, she just passed away at 104 and she still held to this philosophy. She said, when I get up, the first thing I do is I make my bed. Then I'm not tempted to get back in it. She says, then I get cleaned up and I get dressed and ready for the day. And she said, the reason I do is if somebody comes by and they might just invite me to go somewhere. She said, I can be ready at a moment's notice. She said, I don't have to get ready. She said, I stay ready. Now, that's the advice of a 104 year old. Do you know what? There's a lot of opportunities that come your way if you get up early in the morning. And if you get up early in the morning, you can have some really special communion time with the Lord. You may say, well, I, I'm a night person. Well, it, there's an encouragement to be a morning person. David was. David was there and he rose up early. And look what he says right here. Says David rose up early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper, and he took and went. And Jesse had, as Jesse commanded him, and he came to the trench as a host was going forth to fight and shouted for battle. And in the middle of all this battle, in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all that was going on, it says that the Philistines were in uh, fighting with the Israelites. And in the middle of all this, uh, Goliath comes out, and he continues to cry out. And he says, send me someone to fight against me. And he continues to threaten the Israelites. And he says, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by name out of the armies of the Philistine and spake according to the same words. And David heard him. This is the first time that David heard this giant. The giant continued to go. David was in the presence and David heard the giant. David, no doubt, saw the anxiety of the Israelites. And David was concerned and moved by what the Israelites were experiencing right here. And it says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and they were sore afraid. Now, rather than, than give them a, a bad name, I think that we probably would be in the very same boat ourselves because we realize that we're not big enough to come against the enemy. We realize that we don't have the weapons to go against the enemy. We realize that the enemy is much bigger than we are. And oftentimes in our life in which we live, those very descriptions describe the enemies that we deal with in our life. We deal with issues that they look like they're bigger than we are. We deal with issues that look like there's no solution. We deal with issues that it looks like there's no way out. And then we get real discouraged. We get discouraged and we get afraid. And then we run and hide because that's what the Israelites did right here. David saw it and it says the men were sore afraid 
And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him and give him riches. And he'll actually even give him his daughter. And he'll make his father's house free in Israel. I think that sort of meant free from taxes. I think that's probably one of the things that he's talking about right there. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, What shall be done to this man that killeth the Philistine, taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered after this manner, saying, and he said, so shall it be done unto the man that killeth him. And so David is inquiring. David is inquiring about Goliath. David is inquiring about uh, the threats of Goliath. And he comes down. And so while David's there, David is this young man, a young man that uh, has not been proven in war. A young man that hasn't been given the uh, the armor to bear and even proven that. And so David is there asking all these questions. And his older brother comes up and says, David, what do you mean asking all these questions? He said that his oldest brother, Eliab, it says his anger was kindled against David. And he said, David, why did you even come down here? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? David, David's older brother is sort of mocking him and saying, David, who do you think you are? Your role is to go take care of a handful of sheep in the wilderness. And what do you mean coming up here and questioning what we're doing and what and, and questioning uh, all about this? You can't help us. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. You don't have the ability to do it. And look at what David says. He says, are you here? Uh, he says, are you here for the pride in your heart? Are you are you proudful? And is that why you're here? Is that what your purpose is? He says, he says, um, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come that thou mightest see the battle. He says, David, you were just inquisitive about the battle. You're just a young man that... You want to see the battle. You've got pride in your heart. You've got uh, uh, the, the, rock, the, the wrong motive. And he said, you've come down here and you want to, to just witness the battle. And, and that's why you're here. You need to go back home and to tend to your handful of sheep and let us get back to business in this battle that we're engaged in. And look how David responds. David sees the threat of the enemy. David sees the anxiety of the Israelites. David sees that from their standpoint, it looks like there's no way out. It looks like the enemy is going to overtake the Israelites. And David sees all of that. And David could have said, well, that's not my problem. I'm going back home. Or David did what he what follows. David answers his brother. When he sees all of this. And he says. Is there not a cause? I believe David probably thought in his mind. God works things in such a way that. I believe God's in the matter. That God probably put me here. 
for a reason. Remember Mordecai saying to Esther, Who knoweth but what thou art here for such a time as this? I believe David felt like that God had him there for a reason. And here's what he says. Is there not a cause? Look at all that's going on around. Is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose in me being here? God put it on my heart. God opened the door and and I'm here and, and I believe I'm here for a reason and a purpose. And David begins to manifest that. And I have to say that that I believe every one of us are here for a purpose. God is a God of purpose. God is. We're not just here haphazardly. We're not just here to do our own thing, to do it our own way. But we're here for the purpose of serving God. And I believe that God has us oftentimes in certain places to serve Him. Now, I believe that you could serve God here in Maryland. You could serve Him in Pennsylvania. You could serve Him in Alabama. I believe you can serve Him better here in Maryland. But I, I, I believe that you can. And I believe that's why you're here. I believe there is a reason and a cause that you're here. David says he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard, which David spake, he rehearsed them before Saul. And he, he, they were rehearsed before Saul and they sent for him. And David said to Saul. Now, boy, this is the this is the boldness of this young man. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David says, don't be afraid. God has put it in my heart to go and fight against the Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth and he is a war, a man of war from his youth. Saul says to David, David, this doesn't really make sense right here. David, you're a young man. You haven't been a man of war. You haven't been engaged in battle. Goliath is much bigger than you are. Goliath hasn't been engaged in battle since from his youth. This is not this is not a fair uh, battle that you're offering to, to engage. David then says to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. David talking about himself. And he says, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And David said, and I went after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, he says, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. The servant, thy servant, David, slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. Here's a point that I think it'd be really good for us to hold on to right here. When we're facing something that's overwhelming in our life, do what David did right here. David looked back. He didn't have to look back very far. 
But he saw where God had delivered him in the past. Where God had been with him. He refers to situations where God had delivered him. And every single one of us here can look back upon our life. And and some of us have some of those really benchmark places in our life. That we know without a doubt that God was there. And that God delivered us. That God delivered us sometimes from ourselves and sometimes from other folks and sometimes from situations and that God has been with us. David mentions two in particular. And he said, the God that delivered me from the lion and the bear, he says, he's going to deliver me again from this Philistine giant. So be encouraged. Look back on how God's delivered you in the past. And if you start thinking about those blessings of God delivering you in the past, it will strengthen you to face what you're facing right now or what you might face in the future. It really will. Old brother Afton Richards was my pastor in West Texas. And he used to say, if you get discouraged, he said, take a notepad. And he says, simply just start counting your blessings. He said, if you'll count your blessings, all of a sudden you're going to come out of this season of despair. Because you're going to see how much God has blessed you in times past. How much he's delivered you in times past. David said, God strengthened me to fight against the bear and the lion. And the same God is going to strengthen me to fight against the Philistine. Now look at what he says right here. He says that I slew the the lion and the bear. And he says the, the Lord will deliver me. And Saul says Saul armed David with armor and he put a helmet of brass on his head. He armed him with a coat of mail and David girded himself with the sword and the armor and he uh, assuaged to go and, and he said, but he said he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And David put them off. And David put them off. So Saul wanting to protect David gave him the full armor. And David said, Probably it was probably even too heavy for him. I mean, it it was more of a burden than it was a help to him. And when Saul gave him all of this armor, David says, I can't I can't go in this uh, with all this armor. I've not proved it. I've not used it before. And David said that he took this off and he took his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script which his sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine. Now, here's another point right here. You would have thought, I mean, we would think, that if the Philistine giant was going to be overcome, it would be overcome, he would be overcome from traditional means by someone stronger than him, by an army that was stronger. But he was actually overcome with a young man who was bold and zealous in the Lord. But he really didn't have the strength in and of himself to overcome the enemy. And sometimes in our life, in the situations that we deal with, if we'll just pray to God and we turn it over to God, God works it out in such a way that it's different than the way that we think that it should have been worked out. Or it's different in a way than what we think it even could work out. And then we step back and say, I can see the hand of God in it. So 
David came to the Goliath. He drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him, the, went before Goliath. And when the Philistine looked upon David, the Philistine giant was intimidated when he saw David. It says he disdained him. For he was but, describing David, a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with with staves? And, And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And David said to And and the Philistines said to David, come to me. And here's how he approaches David. He says, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David unto the Philistine. And this is another really good lesson for us. Then said David unto the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But David said, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And this day will the Lord deliver thee in mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David said, God's going to work this out in such a way. He is going to deliver in such a way that I'm not going to get the credit for it, but God's going to get the credit for it. And if we go to the Lord with our problems and with our challenges and with our difficulties and with our struggles, and we say, Lord, you work it out and you work it out in such a way that you're going to get the glory. I don't want the glory for it. I want you to get the glory for it. Look what he what what happens. It says that uh, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took thence a stone and slang it. And he smote the Philistine in the forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the face of the earth. And David prevailed upon the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. And it says, but there was no sword in the hand of David. And David goes on down to tell us and to remind us. As he overcame the Philistine giant. That truly the battle is the Lord's. David was victorious, not because of his own strength. David was bold. David was willing to do everything that God laid out for him to do. But David was quick to remember that God gets the credit for it. Now, we give God the credit for our salvation. That's one of the hallmarks of Old Baptist. We believe you're saved by grace 150%. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. And it's secure in the hand of Almighty God. But God also, God doesn't just save us and turn us loose. God works in our lives. God is concerned. God cares. God hears. God knows. God knows all about us. And God is able to help us and deliver us, sustain us. And he gets all the credit and all the glory.
I was blessed by the letter that I got in the mail from Elder Bradley when he said that Sister Bradley had come home after being away from home 101 days. And he said, I give God all the credit. She came down with COVID. She went in rehab, went back in the hospital, went in the rehab, went back in the hospital. After 101 days, she was blessed to come home. Brother Bradley says, I give God all the glory. We need to give God all the glory. When I first came up here close to 30 years ago, we would travel to the old churches. That was a real treat and a blessing. But it was with mixture of, of sadness and joy. Sadness because there were empty buildings that at one time had had meetings that they had prospered. And in some cases in, in Hopewell, New Jersey and Southampton and other places, over 400 people in attendance. And now the churches were closed and nothing but cemeteries. And I'd walk through the cemetery and I would think, is there not a cause? God blessed us over the years. He gave us opportunities to have services in New Hampshire, in Maine, in New York, upstate New York, in several places, in New York City for over nine years, in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, all around. And out of that, God blessed the church at Southampton to come to light and is still laboring and prospering today. When we see the conditions around us, is there not a cause? Is there not? We see, we see the toll that, we see the toll that, I don't care where you land on the pandemic of COVID, it's taken its toll on churches. Not just Mount Carmel. We've had several families move south. But we see the we see the tolls that it's taken. I was talking with a friend of mine in Texas. And he said it, it just seemed like we weren't even going to be able to hardly meet. Because there were so many diverse positions on this COVID situation. And he said we're just slowly, hopefully coming out of that. It's not just our church. It's other places as well. When we see around us the direct attack from Satan on the principles that we believe the scriptures teach, that we stood for, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to be a witness in the midst of this world that is so confused? So confused about so many different things? Is there not a cause to... To be faithful and contend for not only the truth, but the principles in God's word. Is there not a cause? When we look around and we, we see the attack of Satan upon families. And we see the toll that it takes. And the worldliness that's all around. Is there not a cause? When we see the, the young folks and the struggles that they face and many of them have agendas now in public school that, that I would have never thought would have been allowed, much less promoted. And young folks are bombarded all around with, with these 
teachings that are contrary to God's Word. Is there not a cause? I mean, if, if we've been blessed to be a light in the midst of a dark place, shouldn't we desire to be used of God to shine the light that God's given us? Now, we need to shine it with all boldness. But we also need to shine it with humility as well. And that's, that takes the blessing of God and, 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 and quite a lot of wisdom to be able to do that. It says over and over, if you go through and read chapter 17, 18 about David, it says David behaved himself wisely. That's what we ought to attempt to do. David behaved himself wisely. When, when we see, when we see the, the nation that we're in, you know, I've long avoided inner city Baltimore uh, unless I had an appointment at Johns Hopkins. And then I just kind of scoot in and scoot out. But now it's not just inner city Baltimore that's having problems. You read the headlines and you see in Florida and Colorado and California that on the weekends they have shootings in malls and all of this anxiety that is brought about. Is there not a cause? If truly there is a light, if truly the Lord is in control, if truly the Lord has revealed himself to us, shouldn't it make a difference in a number of ways? Number one, to remind us that ultimately the battle is the Lord's, that our strength comes from the Lord, that the Lord has delivered us and healed us in times past. And we can lean on that and pray that God will be with us and deliver us now and in the future. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is not any weaker today than he was back in the times of our forefathers. God is able. I have a picture in my phone that I keep that's really special. It was, you, you, you know, you, you, you sometimes have a Kodak moment. I mean, you all may not know what Kodak is, but uh, uh, it, it's just one of those moments you want to capture and you want to hold on to. I went to the, uh, the prayer walk that they had back probably November, I guess it was. I was walking around. I didn't do the whole walk, um, but I did the latter part. And I went by the Capitol. And as I, was, as I was walking by, I saw all these people that were praying. And then as I was standing and I had just a perfect view of the Capitol uh, behind, uh, behind my camera, uh, in, in, in front of me, I saw this family with all these other folks that were just praying for God to have mercy upon our land and have mercy upon our nation and to heal our land, I saw this one family standing, about five or six of them, in a circle with their arms around each other. And I assume it was the father that was leading them in prayer in the capital in the background. And I look at that often because I'm reminded that God hears our prayers. And I don't think for a minute that God ignored the prayers of those people. I think we're going to see the hand of the Lord because God hears our prayers. God heard those prayers 
And God hears our prayers. God is not surprised. God's still on the throne. You look at the folks that would intimidate Christians. Sometimes they're just really outspoken. But you compare them to the Lord and the strength that He has, not very strong. The battle's the Lord's. We can run to the Lord with our problems in our families. We can run to the Lord with the problems with our children. We can run to the Lord with the problems in our nation. And we can pray that God will use us. Because truly, yes, there is a cause. David said, is there not a cause? Oh, yes, there is. Whatever time that God's blessed us here, we ought to pray that God will use us to His glory and to His praise for whatever season that we have. May God bless you.